0: I know that it is not technically Easter, but I think that we should still celebrate with, with these words. See if you can respond after me. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Just because it's not Easter doesn't mean that we can't celebrate the fact that we have a risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, this, this week, as I was just going about life. Um, Uh, I was uh, thinking a lot about what we had talked about last week with taking this long view, uh, the fact that we often don't think enough about what Christ's resurrection has accomplished for us. And uh, I found myself muttering under my breath uh, several times, like, long view, think of the long view, think of the long view. Uh, It happened some this past weekend uh, while the ladies were on the retreat. Um, We have uh, uh, Stephanie's sister with us as well. And so I not only had our four, but we had uh, Liam as well, who is three. And uh, so I had five kids for the night. And honestly, things were fine. Things were great. Uh, There were a couple of times where I muttered under my breath, long view. Think of the long view. (laughs) Uh, Mostly getting in and out of the minivan. I I don't know what it is, but having five kids to to buckle into car seats and uh, just the stress of that. Um, Thinking a lot of the long view. Uh, This morning, through this miracle that Jesus performs in these two parables, uh, Jesus will continue to encourage us with the long view, making it very clear to us that the kingdom of God is growing, and it will continue to grow both outwardly and inwardly. Uh, For the sake of time this morning, we're actually not going to focus too much on the miracle itself. Um, but what the miracle is pointing to and these two small parables that Jesus gives of the kingdom. But so that we understand the miracle, and let's uh, briefly look at it. Uh, the setting is the Sabbath. Jesus is teaching as he often does in a synagogue. There's a woman who is there, and she has a disfigurement. It causes her to be hunched over, and she's, she's had this for 18 years. She couldn't fully stand up. She couldn't fully straighten up. And Jesus calls her out from the crowd, calls her to come forward, and he says, woman, you are freed from your disability. And just like that, she is healed. She can now straighten up. There was two reactions to her healing. The woman and those present in the crowd give praise and glory to God. They are amazed. The ruler of the synagogue has a very different reaction. He's indignant, as Scripture says. And he rants and raves about the sanctity of the Sabbath and about what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. But Jesus sets him straight, calling him a hypocrite. A hypocrite. Then Jesus continues his teaching and he says, and therefore, and he gives us these two short parables of the kingdom of what the kingdom of God is going to be like, or what we can compare it to. So what Jesus is doing here is he's using this miracle to teach us about the kingdom of God. And this miracle is a little taste, just a little morsel of what it's going to be like when this kingdom of God comes to fruition. This is why Jesus calls the woman forward. If you notice here, he doesn't keep this miracle uh, a secret, Sometimes he heals someone and he says, you know, don't tell anyone. But this time he calls the woman forward to put this miracle on display in a sense because he wants to use it in her life for, uh, for her healing, but he also has a bigger purpose in mind as well so that Jesus can put on display the kingdom. This is what the kingdom of God is going to be like. It's going to be like a woman who is freed from her disability. People will be set free. We will be set free from the grip of Satan on our lives, just like this woman was set free from her disability. And we'll be set free uh, physically, but also spiritually and in every other way as well. So we can look at this act of Christ that he's doing here with this woman as kind of like the front end of an avalanche of the kingdom of God that is coming and that will cover the whole world. Jesus has been preaching his whole life about the kingdom of God. He said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And this miracle displays the kingdom's presence, and Jesus takes advantage of that to teach about what the kingdom is going to be like. So what is this kingdom going to be like? His first parable here, this parable of the mustard seed growing into the tree. He says, What is the kingdom of God like, and to what shall I compare it? It's like a grain of a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. So We know the mustard seed, it is famous for being small, but it grows into a tree, not the biggest tree in the world, but into a tree that is big enough for birds uh, to be able to, to be harbored in its branches. What Jesus is telling us here is that the kingdom of God is going to start off small. But it's going to grow beyond what people could ever possibly imagine. Think about the beginnings of the kingdom. And we're going to trace a little bit of the history of the kingdom of God here. And we're going to start with Christ. You know, he was, we celebrated his resurrection last week. But think about the life of Christ for a moment. He was this itinerant rabbi teacher tucked into just this obscure corner of the Roman Empire. He lived only 33 years. He didn't write any books. He didn't accumulate any wealth, no possessions. He didn't lead any armies. He didn't conquer any territory. In fact, he's obscure for the first 30 years of his life, and then he spends three years walking around Galilee and Judea, teaching and performing miracles. During this time, he gathers 12 followers, and then, uh, after the crowds turn against him, he is executed, along with hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions, who knows how many people that the Roman Empire crucified, and Jesus was one among many. And he leaves behind 11 followers and a scattering of others. From a human or a worldly perspective, Jesus really wasn't that much. His life, his death, his resurrection was like that tiny mustard seed, though, that Jesus talks about in this parable. And from this one seed grows the kingdom of God. And it began with the apostles and with Paul. You know, Jesus' last words in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When Jesus ascends to heaven, he leaves behind the eleven. As Judas had already hung himself. They replaced him with Matthias. Um, but at that point, when they went back to Jerusalem, there was about 120. That's all they were. Just 120 At the day of Pentecost, Luke records in Acts that their numbers grew quickly to 3,000. So from 120, they grow to 3,000. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, we read that new members were being added to their number daily. And then persecution begins with the stoning of Stephen. And suddenly people are scattered out of Jerusalem because they fear for their lives. Philip goes to Samaria, which is right in line with Acts chapter 1, verse 8, from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. He starts spreading the gospel there. God calls Philip to share with the, the, the Ethiopian eunuch. He becomes a believer and is baptized. And the gospel has begun to go to the nations, to the Gentiles. Saul, who would then be Paul, is converted on the road to Damascus. Peter has this vision of the sheet that comes down with all these unclean animals. And God tells him to get up, to kill, and to eat. Peter realizes what God is telling him to do is that the gospel needs to go to the Gentiles. And lo and behold, who would knock on his door? But envoys from a Gentile, from the man Cornelius. So Paul enters into his missionary journeys. The gospel begins to spread throughout the entire Roman Empire. Churches are being planted in every city and in every town, even as far away as Spain, which is where Paul desired to go. It is incredible. These persecutions that they are experiencing are leading to growth. You know, the, the Christians in those early days in the Roman Empire, are, they faced so much persecution the arena, the, the lions, the gladiators. but the gospel continued to grow and to advance. Finally, in 3:13 in, uh, A.D, Constantine, he issues his Edict of Milan. He doesn't make Christianity the official uh, religion of the Roman Empire, but he legalizes it. And suddenly the floodgates are opened, and Christianity spreads even more. It is truly amazing what has happened, to see the growth of the kingdom of God, starting with Jesus and to the apostles. You know, when the disciples were brought in front of the religious leaders, soon after Jesus had ascended into heaven, they they brought them in front, and these Jewish leaders noticed something. They noticed that they were uneducated fishermen, but they noticed that they had been with Jesus. And these uneducated fishermen, in uh, 15 or 13 chapters later in the book of Acts, suddenly are turning the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It spreads throughout the entire Roman Empire. Uh, A study was done back in 2010. I know that's a big jump from 313 to 2010. But uh, when that research was done back in 2010, so that was five years ago, uh, according to this study, 2.18 billion people around the world claim Christianity as their religion. So imagine that, from Jesus, his 12 disciples, those 120 people at the beginning, suddenly there is 2.18 billion people Now, we don't have to get into, well, what's the visible and the invisible church, and do they really claim claim Christ as their Savior? Uh, The point is that about a third of the world's population now uh, claims Christianity. And the the distribution is really interesting as well. Uh, According to that study, about 26% of Christians live in Europe, 37% here in the Americas, that's North and South. A uh, quarter, about 24% in sub-Saharan Africa. And about 13% in Asia and the Pacific. And those numbers in Asia and the Pacific are growing uh, by leaps and bounds. Doesn't this sound like Acts 1:8 is being fulfilled? It's, that the word of God is spreading to the ends of the earth. From such a small mustard seed, God's kingdom is growing, and it will continue to grow to the end. We talked last week about this long view, about what it will be like uh, when we get to heaven and living life with this view in mind. Uh, Well, Acts 1.8 will be fulfilled, and we read about its fulfillment in Revelation 7, where John says, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out in a loud voice Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Just how big this mustard tree is going to get is going to be amazing. So I offer these words to you this morning as encouragement to us. And often we need a lot of encouragement. Let's be honest, we face discouraging times a lot. Not just here in our nation, but around the world. But be encouraged, because what began as small, God is making big. He is making a mountain, as the sermon title is this morning. He is making a mountain out of a molehill. The kingdom expansion will happen. We don't live as people who do not have any hope. Instead, we have a risen Lord, our Savior Jesus Christ, who is not dead, but who is alive. And as long as we have Christ, we have hope. And the kingdom will expand. With this in mind, we turn to Jesus' second parable. Not only will it have outward expansion into the world, but it will also have inward expansion inside of us and in our hearts In Luke 13, 20 and 21, he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Apparently, three measures of flour is a pretty significant portion. She's baking a lot of bread here this morning. Um, So when you add yeast to a batch of dough, no matter how big or how small, the yeast works its way throughout the entire batch. Everything is affected. You can't add yeast to a batch of dough and have some that is leavened and some that is unleavened. It works its way through the entire thing. The same is true with the kingdom of God in our hearts and in our lives. Every part of life is affected. So when, by the grace of God, we are filled with the Spirit, it affects the very core and everything that we are. Every part of our life. All of our actions, all of our decisions, how we live, where we work, all of our relationships, how we raise our children, uh, how we spend our money, uh, what we do for entertainment. There is not one part of our lives that is not affected or influenced by God's grace working in us. But do we live this perfectly? Of course not. Of course not. This isn't heaven is still earth, and so we still struggle. It doesn't often feel like the kingdom of God is expanding inside of me, I'll be honest. And how do I know this? Well, I struggle with the same things day in and day out, and I know that some of you have this very same struggle. It seems like the things that I struggled with when I was a teenager are the same things I struggle with now the same particular sins, uh, the same petty arguments that we have with our spouses, the same feelings uh, of despair and of discouragement. Can anyone relate? God is encouraging us to take the long view, and He encouraged us to do that last week. Because of the resurrection, we have hope for today because we know what the future Will hold. Because Christ was raised from the dead, we know that we ourselves will be raised as well. And we know that when that happens, we will receive an inheritance from God that will never perish, spoil, or fade. In fact, it is kept in heaven for us. And we know that everything will be made new, including ourselves, that the kingdom of God will come to fruition inside of us completely. Everything that we struggle with on here will disappear just like that. It will be gone. So I encourage you this morning to continue to take the long view in your struggles, knowing that one day they will end. See our current situation in the light of eternity and have hope. Because just as clearly as the kingdom of God is expanding outwardly, And we see that in the world today. It's also expanding inwardly in those who have faith in their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just as there will be a multitude that no one can count, in the end, of every people and tribe and language, so there will be a complete expansion of the kingdom inside of us. The kingdom of darkness is going to be driven out completely. So this morning... Take heart. Be encouraged by what God is doing in the kingdom. Look to the past and see what God has done. Celebrate the fact that God is building His kingdom. Have hope for the future, knowing that God will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus and continue to have this long view. Not just when you're overwhelmed in certain situations like trying to take care of five kids and getting them into a minivan. But in all circumstances, setting your mind on things above, as Paul calls us to in Colossians 3. Because God's kingdom will cover the whole earth. Jesus will call us forward, and He will heal us like He healed this woman. God's kingdom will be realized completely in our hearts and in our lives. And until then, we live in faith, And we live with hope. And I am sure of this, as Paul says in Philippians, that he who began a good work in you will bring it through to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Our most gracious God and our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have through the gospel of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank You that You are building Your kingdom. That even though it may have started off small, Lord, it is continuing to expand not only outwardly into the world, but also inwardly in our lives. And we pray that it would continue, Lord, that You would continue to work by the power of Your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we grab hold of these promises that You have given to us, I pray that we would be encouraged That we would live lives with hope, knowing that your promises will ring true. And I pray that we would live lives today in light of eternity. And we pray this in Jesus' name.